0: Welcome to Max and Murphy here on WBA Radio. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I'm here solo this week with our good friend, Jarrett Murphy of City Limits, taking some well-deserved time off. That will also be the case next week, and then I'll be gone after that. So a little bit of mix and match here in the summer weeks as we bring you the Max and Murphy show here discussing New York and New York State politics. So for today's show, we'll be talking with three great guests through the course of the rest of this hour. I'm excited about today's program. In just a few minutes, I'll be joined by State Senator Julia Salazar, who represents a big swath of Brooklyn in the State Senate. She was elected to the seat just a couple years ago and is finishing up her first term. She just won her Democratic primary to what looks like uh, will mean be reelected to the State Senate. And then we will also, at the same time, be joined by likely new State Senator Jabari Brisport, who has uh, prevailed in a crowded, open primary, also in Brooklyn, to represent the 25th State Senate District. And we'll talk to State Senator Salazar and likely uh, next Senator Jabari Brisport at the same time. In part, I invited them to join me together because they both were members of this ascendant New York City branch of the Democratic Socialists of America. Uh, they both had the backing of the New York City DSA in their elections. And uh, I want to talk to them about what's happening with that movement on the far left of the Democratic Party. They are both Democrats uh, and, and hear their agendas for how to help New Yorkers, help New York City, help New York State move forward and out of the crises that we are facing here. And the crises are many. So I'll be joined soon, very soon, by State Senator Julius Salazar and likely new State Senator Jabari Brisport to talk about what they want to see happen, uh, even before Mr. Brisport takes office in January, uh, to, to hear what they want to see happen in the near future, uh, the middle term and the long term in New York. So we'll talk with them soon. Later in the show, uh, I'm looking forward to be joined by my friend Harry Siegel, who is a longtime Daily News columnist. He's an editor at the Daily Beast, and he's co-host of the FAQ NYC podcast, also with our friend, Dr. Christina Green. So I'm joined by Harry Siegel later in the show. He will talk about some of his recent Daily News columns about the void of leadership in New York City. Uh, Harry has been writing about how Mayor Bill de Blasio has not been putting forward the plans planned vision for New York City that are needed in this moment, among other things. And so Harry Siegel of the Daily News, Daily Beast, and FAQ NYC podcast will join me later in the show. If you are coming back for Harry, that'll be around 5.35 p.m. But of course, you shouldn't go anywhere because I'll be joined momentarily by State Senator Salazar and likely State Senator Brisbane. So what we're going to talk about with all three guests today, though, is the crises that New York City and New York State are facing. And as I said, they are many. We are still dealing with a pandemic. We're We're still dealing with a public health crisis. And what folks sometimes are missing right now is a lot of the conversation has shifted to reopening of the economy, the unemployment crisis, reopening of city schools, is that we are still dealing with hundreds of people getting infected with COVID-19 every day, testing positive. We're also, uh, shouldn't take our eyes away from the fact that we have thousands of people who are still recovering from having had the virus, the, the folks fortunate enough to see it through and not succumb to the virus that has taken tens of thousands of New Yorkers. And those uh, people will, Continue to need health care. They continue to need mental health care. There's people who did not have the virus or who did not, did not have a rough course of it that will need mental health care as well. And that so that's just one ongoing crisis. We also have the, the economic devastation that the city has uh, is feeling. There's continues to be upwards of 20% unemployment across New York City. There are questions around housing and evictions that my um, guests in a moment will definitely focus on both. Uh, State Senator Salazar and likely next state Senator Jabari Brisport have had a major focus on housing and how to prevent mass evictions when the eviction moratorium does end. And then there are others. I will not continue to go down the list, but if you're listening to this program, you are surely familiar with the fact that there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of New Yorkers who are still participating in the city's free food program because otherwise they would go hungry. There are small businesses and large businesses that are going out of business or can't reopen. There is a crisis with the MTA where the transit authority needs to be bailed out again with federal dollars. Otherwise, we could see severe layoffs and reductions in service just as the New York City economy is trying to come back. There are questions around crime and public safety, of course, as we talked about on the show in recent weeks. And I mentioned education, where There are serious questions around whether school buildings will indeed reopen for blended learning with some in-person schooling for the city's 1 million plus students in just a few weeks. And that's been a topic of the day as Mayor Bill de Blasio and the school's chancellor, Richard Carranza, visited a school in Queens to try to look at how the school is preparing for socially distanced reopening, blended learning, kids to be in the classroom every day starting September 10th. And as that was happening today, both the principal's union and the teacher's union said they don't think schools will be ready for that September reopening, and they want in-person schooling pushed back at least a few weeks. So that is going to be a topic to discuss further soon. Our guest on the line now is Harry Siegel, who is a longtime Daily News columnist, writing important pieces on the crises facing New York City. And the lack of leadership out of City Hall and other parts of city government. Harry is also an editor at the Daily Beast and co-host of the FAQ NYC podcast with our good friend, Dr. Christina Greer, uh, and a podcast you should check out and subscribe to if you don't already. That's FAQ NYC. Harry, thanks for joining me. Uh, how are you today? Hey, man, I'm, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. Thanks for joining me. And let's... um. Let's jump right into what I was just finishing up with, with State Senator Julius Salazar. And uh, I don't know if we can call him quite yet, Senator-elect Jabari Brisport, but very likely next Senator Jabari Brisport, both from Brooklyn, from the DSA slate. What do you make of this sort of changing dynamics of New York City politics? Where are we in this sort of leftward movement? Um, And, you know, what do you what do you think it
1: means? I, I think we're frozen. Um, this was a big wave election in New York this year. Um, and uh, Jabari Brisport is part of that, of course. Uh, Julius Salazar was part of the, uh, the last wave. This has been building. Um, but they're talking about these different revenue sources and about uh, rapidly gentrifying neighborhoods, you know, at a moment when suddenly much of the city is out of work. The city has a $9 billion growing revenue hole the state has a $13 billion and growing revenue hole. Not all of that is going to be filled with any one tax on, on the rich, be that a billionaire's tax or a pied terre tax or whatever else. And so you have this conversation, this February conversation, uh, that I don't think is adjusting to new circumstances. And I think that's up and down the political system. So I'm not trying to uh, single your kiss out here, no. um, in large part because we have no idea – what to expect from uh, uh, from Washington or from Albany, which can't really give the city any sense of what to expect um, until they know what's happening with Washington. So it's like an equation with too many variables, at least through November, and that makes it very hard for people to acknowledge new realities. And so I feel like that conversation is just continuing as though uh, the economic circumstance and, and the, the broader life of the city hasn't just undergone this radical change and moment of great uncertainty. And, you know, that that seems very off-putting to me, but I I don't know what to expect representatives to say at the moment, like everyone else. There just is not enough information.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, one of the, um, you know, one of the things I keep thinking about is, okay, what should the plan be if Washington isn't coming through with a lot more? You know, what what does that actually look like? You know, you have. The governor, obviously, threatening uh, major budget cuts, although he's been putting those off, it seems, for as long as possible, while at the same time not looking to raise revenue. Um, and he has his own reasons for that, of course. Uh, and then you also have the mayor doing some similar things, dipping into billions in in city reserves and then also seeking borrowing authority from the state that he's not getting but if, if if the federal government isn't coming through, you know, these guys are going to have to get real pretty fast. And I don't know that anybody wants to see tens of thousands of government layoffs at this point.
1: So the Blasio, Sally Goldenberg reported a Politico New York sent out a paper to almost every department with the NYPD Notably excluded asking them to arrange for layoffs with the number that's been around, I think being 22,000 out of a workforce of basically 300,000. So part of that is, is, you know, a negotiating posture and an attempt to get concessions out of unions and others as, as the money isn't there. And, you know, we had to put it in a biblical term, seven fat years and we're, we're halfway through the first skinny year and, and those reserves are pretty much gone. Right. Um, but if we're not talking just about massive layoffs and cuts. And and clearly, if if this revenue isn't replaced, some of that's going to happen. Uh, Then we need to look at uh, uh, where there is uh, an ability to tax more. Uh, And we have to look at what services um, we can do without. There's just no simple or easy way to answer this. And after many decades of relatively easy choices as tax revenue has almost continuously gone up so that even 2001 and 2008 from, from a revenue perspective turned out to be, you know, relative blips. There's a real chance that, that this is different. And I don't see anyone budgeting or talking yet on those terms. Uh, you know, what saved us in the past, ironically enough, was was really low interest rate policies from Washington. Uh, that were of tremendous use to the, uh, the the banker class and the investment class here and uh, uns- un- instability in the world that, like, drew global capital here. It's possible all of that continues, but it's also possible that we have a significant downturn, one that is steeper and heavier than in the rest of the country, and, which really concerns me, that the same uh, big market forces that ate up much of the city on the way up continue to do so on the way down because we're pretty clearly entering a period where cash is going to be king. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the people who have cash, I think, are going to be very different from the rest of us to to, to, buy, to buy things up and to see a buying opportunity where, where many other people are experiencing a disaster. And that's very different, Ben. So last thing, then, then, yep. then, then uh, or that's in some ways quite different from from just concerns about Gentrification, and obviously all this is happening. Well, we don't know what's happening with, with extended unemployment aid, and while there's a you know an eviction overhang just looming.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think one of one of these the amazing takeaways to all of what's transpired over the last six months is that we've really seen what catastrophic government failure can look like in a way that um, you. It, it leaves it leaves us right now with the federal government not taking further action yet um, with just such a void of answers that it's almost it's almost like this. You know, this is what government is designed to to take action on. And the fact that there's you know, there's this limited action out of Washington on a on a next relief package, that there is the limited action to help stem the tide of the virus in the first place. Um, we're just seeing this sort of catastrophic results of government failure that are almost unimaginable and almost you know almost you almost can't make up for it with anything else but but to continue to say no 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 we need we need the federal government to do something
1: it's just remarkable it's like a true system failure and you know shout out to my dad and everyone else whose main concern has been the uh the spread of the administrative state through plenty of reasons to have concerns about that but this is what happens when there is no administrative state uh and there's functionally no no policy is you know you have the buck passed quite literally you know speaking as a parent now from uh mm-hmm. from from the white house through albany through city hall uh through through, through the education through principles like like straight to parents there, there, there there's no place where where any of these bucks stop and we're, we're, everyone is sort of, as Trump has put it, just, just, just hoping that miraculously this all goes away. It's, it's stunning to watch and uh, disconcerting and, and humbling. And for all the issues I've had with our, our local executives, starting with the Plasio and Cuomo, they do not have the, the, the information needed to make really informed decisions. When, when there's some rule and some amount of money that you know is coming through, you can decide we have to we have to make these cuts. Here are our priorities. You know, here are the guidelines for, for, for school reopening when, when none of that exists nationally. Um, and with Trump, that could change at any minute. Uh, so, right. so suddenly there can be a tremendous push or an executive order or whatever else. Uh, th- this is an impossible way to, to, to make coherent policy or, or, or plan.
0: So but at the same time, you know, I, I don't at all want to give you or anybody else listening the impression that, I'm saying, you know, it's the federal government or nothing, because as you're getting at, you know, the next thing is when the federal government is failing, it comes to the state, it comes to New York City, and the leadership of the state government of the city government needs to step up. And you've been writing, you know, some very interesting things about that, say, you know, what are you seeing from the mayor? And what's the, I mean, what's the, what's the alternative vision? I mean, one of the, one of the, Wild things that I keep seeing is that the mayor now at his press conferences has this little card next to him about the number of days until Election Day. And every time I see it there, I can't believe that he's doing that. It's like he's putting up this signal to everybody that that's what really matters is an election that's months away with a winner, maybe in Joe Biden that takes office in January 20th. And I and I can't believe the signal that he's sending there while he continues to, as you say, pass the buck.
1: So, you know, I, I, my, my view is pretty clear. Like, th- this mayor is pathetic and not really up to the tasks at hand. Um, David Dinkins was often criticized for, for appealing to Washington instead of making difficult decisions on his own, I think sometimes unfairly. Uh, this mayor, who, of course, ran pathetically for president earlier this year, uh, is just Openly doing that. His, um, his spokesperson today uh, just told uh, billionaires to, quote, kick rocks yeah. and declared the working people of New York City have a champion. Uh, if only yeah. uh, that, that that were so. And there was some coherent vision that would be helpful. But the mayor hasn't provided that. Before I pick on him too much, it's notable that none of the people looking to replace him, the declared and uh, presumed candidates, at this point have offered a fully coherent vision for that. So clearly this this is difficult to do. Like, look, politicians want to appear to be leaders and they're reluctant to do too much leading because one people don't necessarily follow, right? When you announce things are shutting down or things are reopening, you actually, you have very limited mechanisms to actually make that the case. Um, and two, again, there's just too many. Too, there is just too much uncertainty in this equation. But it is tremendously disconcerting to see this crisis playing out with nobody offering a uh, a vision for what should come next. Uh, de Blasio, to the contrary, keeps just saying New York's got out of crises before, and bringing up 9/11 and 2008, and New Yorkers are tough, so don't worry about it. The the passive voicedness just being remarkable. He's not saying here's how we get out, here's what the city looks like on the other end. He's just saying we will. Um and that's very sad from somebody with the uh with the power and the tools he has. And it's even sadder, frankly, from the people hoping to replace him who are hedging their bets and don't see any reason to offer any of this now at a moment when the city is starving for it.
0: So what specifically are we looking for from the mayor? You know, I mean this is something where I find myself watching these briefings every day and I'm just astonished by how often he says, you know, we'll have more to say on that in a couple of weeks. And those plans are in uh, development. He said something this morning that really astonished me about, you know, you're, you'll start to see some things this fall about our long-term, you know, recovery plans. So all this stuff that we're getting at here, but what do we, what do we really need to see from him? Or as you say, perhaps, you know, one of the people that wants to replace him, although, you know, I'm, I'm pretty hesitant to sort of move the, the lens off of the mayor who has the power right now. Um, you know, what do you, what do you put at the top in terms of the most pressing things that we're not getting from him that we need?
1: The, the, the first thing I want to see personally is much less of him. Um, these <laughs> daily briefings are not actually providing important information about the virus, which for the moment at least is under some control in New York and is the nominal reason for them. And I, I think he takes, as others have, including Cuomo and Trump, like a, a certain thrill in having all of this focused TV time. Um, I, I think daily briefings are, are a huge mistake, and and they expose all, all the plans you haven't fully thought through, and sort of require you to deal with them on on a daily basis, and things that that can and sometimes should take take weeks to to work out, and then you should be able to say, I have a full plan. Here's what it is, and then pause. A month later, say we started implementing this plan. And six months later, be able to track what's happened with it. Uh, time frame varies, obviously, according to the plan. But, but, but the insistence on doing this daily, I, I think, is, uh, is harmful and, and indicative of somebody who really is much more concerned with message control than mission control. Like, I'm so old, I remember when the disease detectives were going to save us. Right. And, you know, those have now been replaced by, by, by the Test and Trace Army. Uh, you know, as, as he keeps sort of going for the, those sorts of images. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at some point th- th- that may shift again, or brand, who that army is and what's it, what, what it's done. Um, I, I just don't see a uh, focused administrative competence. And I actually think there's a tremendous non-ideological appetite for that, um, which may explain Catherine Garcia's reported interest in running for mayor. She's the sanitation commissioner who also has been de Blasio's go-to person for, for pretty much every uh, complicated circumstance, you know, in need of fixes. Um, and is, is one of the only people who's, who's sort of impressed with her administrative abilities, you know, during this administration.
0: Right. And I, you know, in our last minute here, I mean, I think that obviously ties this all ties into this race to replace him. But, you know, I think just like, you know, de Blasio has this sign about the election in, in 80 plus days, you know, I, I don't think in New York City we can have a sign-up that, you know, is telling us how long till we get a new mayor, right? We need this mayor to, to perform differently.
1: Um, this, mayor, this mayor needs to have 450 days or whatever it is signed saying, I have this vision for a fairer and more equitable city, one the working families can afford to stay in. And here's how I'm going to do my best to sustain and even expand that in the midst of all this. That That, that is what I think everyone would like to see and is disappointed daily in not seeing.
0: Mm -hmm. And lastly, um, on the schools reopening, is there something in particular, whether it's as a parent or more, you know, in your in your role as a a columnist and observer of the city um, and the mayor? Is there something you think is missing in this in this equation? This conversation is 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 this just a fool's errand because we're going to wind up shutting all the schools down even if we reopen them?
1: I would have liked to have seen more competence from Carranza on this. I would have liked to have seen and deal with the unions farther along before making the announcement schools were going to open. Um, and I would have liked there to have been more centralized rulemaking about what an opening would look like and how, rather than pushing almost all of that down to individual principals.
0: That's a really good list in, in 20 seconds, Harry. I appreciate that. Um Harry, thanks for for joining us and and sharing some of those thoughts. And everybody should, of course, read uh, everything you're writing at The Daily News. Uh, But thanks for for coming on.
1: Hey, you're the greatest, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: (laughs) All right. That was Harry Siegel of The Daily News and The Daily Beast. And he's also a co-host of the podcast FAQ NYC. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette of Max and Murphy here on WBI signing off. Until next week, have a great week in the greatest city in the world.